HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Listening to Heritage Radio Network. HRN is food radio supported by you. Learn more at heritageradionetwork.org. This episode is brought to you by Wisconsin Cheese. We've been making cheese in Wisconsin since before we were even a state, which may be one reason why we win so many awards for it. It's what happens when a whole state dreams in cheese. Find your next favorite cheese at wisconsincheese.com. Barryville is a hamlet in rural America, part of the upper Delaware River Valley in the Western Catskills, but it could be anywhere. Barryville is the climax of civilization. Yeah, the Trump flags are flying, even as gay bikers are rolling through town. This is a hot take on rural America. And whether you're new to rural living, if you've ever been bullied or beaten up in the country, or live in the city and just dream of getting away, this show is for you. Everything's better in Barryville. still sound good, John. You still got it. <laughs> ho, ho, ho. It's 2023. Uh, I feel like uh, I, I missed you desperately. <laughs> well, I feel like I saw you a lot, but I also, uh, I you know, I miss you when we're not together. I, oh, it's so <laughs> sweet. I saw you a lot. I saw you here eating latkes. I uh, saw you eating some brisket here today <laughs> having soup and salad. What else did I feed you <laughs> since uh, the last well, time we got know, together? And then, we, and then we broke bread together over at the bitches New Year's Day, which was so fun. Oh, beautiful. And this is how traditions are born. Yeah, I, 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 I like <laughs> Both these new traditions. I love the Lodka Party, and I really love the Bitches Brunch. It was great. All right. Next year in uh, Barryville. Oh, How about my that? God. All How right. So uh, New Year's Eve, my least favorite night of the year. Were you hungover on New Year's Day? No, I was still drunk on New Year's Day. <laughs> no, I, I had a blast. You know, we, we weren't able, due to unforeseen circumstances, we Ooh. were not open at the Oasis, but we did have like a little tiny karaoke party. We had a few couples over, and we... Hooked up the the TV karaoke system <laughs> and some real weirdness, but I do have to say I don't know if anybody saw it, but Erica, you know, from down at the Berryville General, killed it on "I Will Survive." I mean, she that girl gives it her go, her biggest go she can uh, what, what on the karaoke mic. Well, when are we going to have a go at that song? I'm getting the Casio tone, John. That's going to be our new our new jam. As long as you weren't hungover. On New Year's Day, because that is a cliche that I I can't handle. But if you were, <laughs> this is the opportunity. No, I just I I, I took an eight hour break to sleep, <laughs> and then I got up and started having Bloody Marys over the bitches. It was great. There, there was no downtime. 
I um I wasn't hungover, but I still did my favorite hangover cure, which is to drink a beer in the shower. It's the only thing that works. That is so crazy. No, I, I, no I, it's I, not crazy. It makes sense. <laughs> uh, you know, you know, don't mock it till you try it. Like Bob Dylan said, don't criticize things you don't understand. A cold beer in a hot shower is the only thing that works. And by the way, it's not just a hangover cure. It is basically the solution to all of life's smaller problems. <laughs> and on a good day in the summer, I think three showers and three beers is, is like an ideal. Like you get up and you have your beer in the shower because you're on vacation and you're on the beach somewhere and you get ready for the day, you get a little morning beer buzz on and then come lunchtime or, or to dinner time, you want to change, you want to wash the ocean off your back and change your clothes. So that's another opportunity to have a beer in the shower. Why not? Why should dinner be the first drink you have, you know, after five o'clock? It makes no sense. What are you doing and to get then, that dirty three times then, in the day? Well, I'm out swimming, I'm playing in the sand, I'm rolling around, you know, in the bungalow with my wife. Um, and Got then it. at the end of the night, because you're out again and it's hot because, you know, you're, because it's summertime, you want to wash off before you get back in bed. So you have another beer in the shower. Three beers, three showers. You Ooh. heard it here first. Here's advice. <laughs> Listen, I'm so excited for our guest today. From a really deep, deep place in my heart, I love these two so much. You know, I work with Margie at the pantry. She is the sergeant of the pantry in Yulin. And Daryl Barnes is the most helpful person uh, I've encountered in, in, in town. Anytime a sign needs to go up or the chamber's doing some project, he's always the first one to come out and help. He, they're salt of the earth people, and we're really lucky to have them here today we and are. in town all the time. They are people who make Barryville better, no question. And guess what, John? What's that? I'm bringing you some gospel from the garage today. Ooh. We're going to end the show. I'm going to sing a song, some positive what are you energy, doing? some positive, I don't know yet. Maybe uh, maybe all aboard this train. We'll see. But I guarantee you it's going to be a positive, uh, positive message for a new year, 2023. You got any predictions for 2023? I predict that the Berryville Oasis Camel will have a name and he will live a good life and honor this town. I'm still voting for Ahmed. All right, we'll be back. All right. Yes, <laughs> right after this. Everything's better in Berryville. All right, and we're back. And uh, John, uh, winter is upon us, or so it seems. No, it's not. It's 60 degrees today. Well, <laughs> well let's just say the apocalypse is upon us, but I guarantee we'll you, take it. snow is a coming, and up here in the Catskills, where we live, or the Pussy Catskills, as I've heard. Oh! Uh, it was a comment by a very snide real estate agent when we were up here shopping. Honey, this isn't the Catskills. This is the Pussy Catskills. Hmm. Um, I don't think I'm ready to take that as a moniker <laughs> for our <neck> the woods. <laughs> uh, there's also some debate as whether we're part of the Borscht Belt, uh, but... The guy that keeps the streets clean of borscht and snow <laughs> and everything else and keeps our crazy mountain roads safe is here with us today. It's Daryl Barnes. He's the foreman of the town of Highland Highway Department. And, uh, yeah, you're doing a killer job keeping these roads clean. I'm always amazed, Daryl. Thank you. Yeah, Thank you I mean, that. you know, you guys, I think for most people, recognize are the most important uh, department in town and you get the biggest part of the budget what do you guys do with that budget and is is there ever enough money uh well uh as always uh there's never enough money we could always do more you know and uh but we have to work with what we have and make make it work um it's uh it's a tough puzzle to put together for some some people and uh but the way it's been going, uh, we've been doing pretty good. Hey, so. Winter is no joke up here. I mean, I mean for real. And these roads are, are are kooky, crazy, curvy. I mean, there are some parts of these roads you can't go more than ten yards without turning, you know, some kind of crazy hairpin turn. And I am amazed every time I roll out my driveway. Once I get my driveway melted, yeah. <laughs> um, that's on me, not on you guys. The roads are clear. It's incredible. By 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 nighttime, by midnight, the roads are clear. Yeah. Normally, uh, normally by the time it stops snowing, um, give us two hours after it stops. 
and normally the roads are drivable. And and it's because you guys literally, I I don't know if anybody out there has been to the highway department, but it's literally set up like a big bunkhouse. I mean, these guys are sleeping in armchairs, taking a little break, and then going we back We didn't out. want anybody to know about that. Sorry, sorry. Yeah, yeah. They're just partying down, <laughs> drinking beer. Eating. No, I'm just joking. But, like, tell us a little bit about it. Like, so when, when we do get a big snowfall, do you guys sleep there? How often do you go out? What What's that look like? Yeah, well, we only have six guys. So, uh, so you know, we have to stay there as long as we have to. Uh, there's been a couple times when we stayed two nights uh, there. Um, so we work till 11, 12 o'clock and sleep for three or four hours and then go back out. Wow. Um, and luckily, our new shop has a full kitchen in it and everything, so we can have food because, you know, as you know, around here, everything closes. So That's what I was going to ask. I'm picturing all you guys standing around in your long johns waiting for the bell to ring, (laughs) cooking cooking chili, you know, and sharing recipes. How far off am I? Um, We don't take our clothes off. uh, (laughs) No, we're sleeping in our work clothes, and uh, there's there's a couple of recliners. There's a couple couches, and, uh, you know, we we get our sleep in as much as we can, and... uh, and get after it. So, Well, obviously winter is the tough time of year uh, and snow is no joke up here, but uh, the summertime too, you guys are always on the road. What are you doing behind the scenes that keeps us safe here in the summertime that we don't necessarily see? Uh, well, we have uh, paving projects every year that, uh, that we try to get done. Uh, we uh, seal the roads, uh, surface treating. Um, we clean the ditches out, replace pipes, uh, trim trees, mowing, the, mowing grass, um, you know, a little bit of everything in the summertime. And everybody knows that Daryl is the go-to in the highway department if you need a historical moniker put up, if you want to paint a mural on the ground, if you want to put up like some signage for the byway. Daryl's always the person that every community ancillary organization goes to because he's he knows the place back and forwards. And um, yeah, it's great. Ono, can you do something about that crazy fog we had today? And, <laughs> and two-part question, can you do something about the guy in the pickup truck that was driving one foot behind me with zero visibility and passed me on a double line? Yeah. So he must have known you're not from around. <laughs> yeah, and yet you looked firm. And, and yet, you know, how long do I have to be from around here before I'm around? From yeah. around here, you got to die, Mike. You got to die here, and, I, that's, I, and then and then some. I'm, plan, I'm planning on it. Like I say, I may not be from here, but I plan on dying here, and that should count for something. Yes, yeah. yes, it should. <laughs> um, I, I wanted to ask Daryl. So I know that you definitely keep a busy schedule with the highway department, but you and Jill also went into business together doing real estate, correct? Uh yes. Well. We're partners, me and Jill. Um, everybody thinks that Jill has her own uh, real estate company with uh, Cabins and Canoes, but uh, it's not. But she takes the credit. She goes, yeah, it's fine. It's mine. Um, <laughs> but uh, No, her and Debbie are great together, yes, too. Uh, Debbie's a great uh, broker to work for. And uh, But, uh, yeah, it's uh, still a crazy uh, real estate market around here, too. Uh, so we're riding a wave as long as we can. Well, Jill was uh, the agent for the seller when we uh, moved up here and uh – did a great job. Everything went smoothly. And I've never been happier. And we bought our building from Jill, too. One of the new um, buildings, the old Trail Berry building. So, yeah, she's clearly everywhere and, and doing it. And now she's got Daryl helping her. All it's right. Great. Keeping the highways clean and making dreams come true. Ow! Daryl, can you stick around while we talk to Margie? Absolutely. All right. We'll be back right after this. This episode is brought to you by Wisconsin Cheese. There's a reason when you think of Wisconsin, you think cheese. Cheese is a huge part of Wisconsin's history and future. In Wisconsin, the state of cheese, 
The tradition of cheesemaking excellence began 180 years ago, before Wisconsin was recognized as a state. Immigrants traveled to settle in this lush, green hills of Wisconsin, bringing their cheesemaking traditions with them. These storied skills combined with the freshest milk available created a cheesemaking culture that is uniquely Wisconsin. Wisconsin's 1,200 cheesemakers, many of whom are third and fourth generation, continue to pass on old world traditions while adopting modern innovations in cheesemaking craftsmanship. Find your next favorite cheese at wisconsincheese.com. Everything's better in Berryville. I'll tell you what, Johnny, I never get tired of your little applause machine. What do you mean, applause machine? It's time to give the studio audience their day in the sun. Yeah, whatever, but I'll tell you what, later tonight when I'm here alone, I'm going to push that button over and over and over again to, you know, make myself feel a little uh, special. All right, it's time for our next guest. All right, you can tell us. Who do we got, Johnny? Rock and roll, let's we go. We got the big boss, the sergeant, the corporal, the queen of mean with the biggest heart, a member of the Lions Club, a member of the Rosarians, a Sunshine Library volunteer, the former treasurer of the ambulance service, and the Ulan Pantry director. It's Margie Granisi. Welcome, Margie. Margie. Thank you. So, Margie, first, before, you, before we get to anything, I thought you were going to get me a gig at the Senior Center. Mike, I'm working on that. <laughs> the president wasn't too happy, but uh, now that I'm going to be more involved in that, I'm going to push it. But we'll talk about that later. All right. <laughs> she can pull a few strings. This, this is where, I, you know, the youth market has done nothing for me. John. Well, sorry. <laughs> you know, I, Margie and I were already together today. We, we did the food pantry with a really light crew. Um, and we, 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 we tease her, but she really keeps such a tight ship up there. We call her the, the lieutenant and the corporal depends on who's talking, but, uh, she's really the, the big boss of it, but she earns her title. I mean, this woman will drive a hundred miles for a can can sale. If she can find tuna cheaper in another town, <laughs> five miles away, she'll do it too. So tell us about, tell us about how you got started actually with the food pantry. This is how I got started. St. Anthony of Padua church in Yulin. I am a member Father Tom at the time, Father Tom Jones, it was a big joke, had somebody else in charge, and they quit. And he walked up to me and said, Hey, Margie, here's the keys. You're in charge of the food pantry. Oh. I said, Father, I know nothing about the food pantry. I know how to eat, but I don't know how to do anything <laughs> like that. So he said, That's okay. You'll learn. I had 46 cents in an envelope. And then I got additional money, and that's how it all started. I was in a panic and said, this is the church's money. I have to spend it properly. And I went from store to store to store to get the good buys because everything in there was salt, 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 salt. You cannot give senior citizens healthy food with all that salt. Yeah. So it is a job that I take pride in doing it. Yes, call me a general, a colonel, <laughs> what you call me, but it's it's really a full-time job, even though it's a volunteer job, and it does take a lot of time. But it's such an important thing for our community. I mean, I, I can't believe, you know, right now we have about 24, 25 families that come on the regular, and, you know, for such a small community, that those numbers aren't great. You know, that the, the, there's, you know, 25 families in need uh, yep. is, is a big deal, and the fact that you're there and the church is there to provide the service is pretty amazing. And John, it's not just the church. We are so, so fortunate. Um, our Pex Market just did a fundraiser for us. We got over $700 for that. Oh, that's great. And I get the food from them. We also have um, 
parishioners and, and personal friends that, that donate money. If I had to just depend on the church's money, we, they wouldn't get all they get. Yeah, and now we've, you know, in the past year, we've onboarded Single Bite, too. Yes. So they get prepared meals from Foster Supply in a Single right. Bite, which is great. Fresh meals. Yeah. Which is very nice. Wonderful. We're very wonderful, grateful. Wonderful stuff. Well, what a lot of people don't know uh, out in Radioland is John Rand, of course, last year, uh, lost by a very, very narrow margin uh, for town supervisor. And you were uh, on the ticket with John, even though you guys aren't really officially part of the same party. You kind of created We started a our new own party. party. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. In town and in the state of New York, you know, you can start a party, basically. And it's there's also other things where you can run as like a Republican, a Democratic, conservative, everything. But, you know, we didn't want any of those monikers to dissuade anybody from from supporting us because we're definitely on the same page and you know those titles don't really matter so much in a small town and so we started a party called lifting neighbors and uh, i was proud to run with margie i was proud to go door to door with margie we met uh, i'd say almost everybody in town that we didn't already know i was proud to vote for you guys it was a and blast. i think i voted for you on the lifting neighbors uh party. Uh, you know, the weird thing was, I was never registered with any political party before I moved up to the town of Highland, because, you know, it's like that, I don't want to be a member of a party that would have someone like me as a member. Agreed. I don't trust national politics. It's too corporate. It's too weird. Everybody's taking money from, from somebody. Uh, it's no secret. I tend to You don't think that happens locally? I, I, tend, <laughs> yeah. I tend to lean hard left. It's not a secret. but I, And I vote that party line, but I'm not a member of that party until I came here where my vote mattered. And I realized that. Right. And uh, when I went to the caucus, that's why I registered Democrat when I got here, so I could support you, I found out that your opponent was kind of, people were registering Democrats so he could be on both the Democrat part of the ticket and the Republican part of the ticket. And the first thing he says, whoa, that's not cricket. You know, well, that, that's, no, that's but it's small town politics. Small town bullshit. But yeah, but it's, that happens everywhere. But it's like, hey, let, let's have a race and see where the cards lie. That just it turned me off so much, and that was within being here about fifteen seconds. But but I do have to tell you though, it's not just my opponent that does that. That's like a New York State small thing. It's oh, like it's, it's not just New York. Yeah, no, yeah, there's a lot of states that honor oh, it, but it's 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 not just right. New York. I talked to my friends in Vermont and New Hampshire and a few other places, and they said, oh yeah, that's a that's a classic old school trick. All the commie states. Right. <laughs> yeah, small town politics. It, yeah. it, it really, really is incredible. But I will, yeah. I will, I do want to give Margie and, and John both a lot of credit. But Margie, especially, uh, for opening, you know, the, the road to see, you know, to be able to look in both directions and not just this weird. I need, I need a D after my name to, to run or, or to get, or to get <laughs> right. Mike's vote. Yeah, um, and they both did did very well. Um, Margie, know, getting, especially, I have to say, because she was on fully just on an independent line. You know, she wasn't. She didn't right. get endorsed by the. The Republican Party or the Democratic Party. So she was literally just rogue out there. One morning, one morning, uh, we were working on Woods Road right up from Margie's house. She turned on the road and she knew one of the guys, Jimmy. And uh, so she's talking and she drives away. I see her later on that day. I go, aren't you running for office? She goes, yeah, yes, I am. I said, you know, you had six guys standing there and you only talked to one and nobody, <laughs> nobody knew who you were. And oh, she goes, man. oh my God, I got to get better at that. And, uh, <laughs> So, uh, yeah, that's all part of it, you know, just talking to people. And the more people you talk to in this town, if you take the time to go to their house and knock on their doors, 
that's how you get elected, really. I and, mean, and and it was it was so gratifying too because it's it's not like it's just about the election. It's actually really wonderful to meet your neighbors and know who you're surrounded by. Right. And uh, and I feel like you know Margie and I had a lot of fun. We we got invited in for dinner a lot of times with well, some people. Well, thanks to you you guys, John. You made me feel very welcome right when we got to town, and I met Margie soon after. And uh, you're, you're lying, right, Margie, and a few other things. I am. And, and I, it was you and a few other people said, you got to get up, you got to get into it, you got to get involved. And voter registration was one of the first things my wife and I did. We mm-hmm. met so many people, nonpartisan, just, hey, we feel we're best represented when we're best represented. And we met so many people. Uh, and, and that was very, very important to be part of the community. And, uh, and I, I look up to you guys. I do. Margie, I really look up to you. Thank you. And the re- I would never have done that if Johnny didn't say, look, we really need your help. I don't know anything about politics. Give me behind the scenes and I'm good. But going to a few town hall meetings and seeing the nepotism that is in this town just made me sick. And people do not want to address it. People do not want to look at it. And they put it on the back burner. And we did it once and we got so close. But there's going to be another election. So you know what? Hold on to your seats. All right, here we go. Here's the, here's the, here's the, here's the million-dollar question. Johnny, will you run again? I'm not sure. <laughs> All right, thank you guys very much. Uh, we're going to be back with the news right after this and maybe uh, more tough questions for Johnny Pizzolatto. All right. That was that was excellent, and I am genuinely, genuinely uh, inspired and impressed, and kind of in awe of both Daryl and Marjorie John. I love those two guys. I mean, they're they're some of my favorite people in town, and I, they're just both incredible. They're so good at what they both do. I can't wait. We're going to get Daryl back after the frost and talk about uh, whatever snowpocalypse is is coming at us. We're going to get Margie back too. Yeah, but can can you believe what a sunny day it is and like how there's no snow on the ground after the weather tried to kill us a couple weeks ago? <laughs> <laughs> Just wait for it for my friend. All right. You ready for the news, Johnny? Yes, I am. All right. <clears throat> and here we go. Here's the news with your host, Johnny Pizzolatto. I'm Johnny Pizzolatto, and this is the news to me. Some disappointing news for fans of the Skinner's Falls Bridge. Well, it could go either way, actually. They're going to take another two years to contemplate whether it should be replaced or it should be repaired. Um, You know, speaking to the other bridges that have been replaced, it could go one of two ways. It could go the way of the Berryville-Shahola Bridge, which didn't turn out so great and probably is going to need to be replaced in a couple years. It's a big hunk of junk. Or it could go the way of the Pond Eddy Bridge, which is beautiful and seems like a really great historical reproduction. I depend on the Shawla Barrowville Bridge. What's what's going on over there that I'm not aware of? I mean, go under it. It looks like crap. It, it, it like does not look like the rendering that it was supposed to. The lookouts were supposed to have these like covers. It was supposed to be really wonderful, and they didn't they didn't complete the job. Wait, so a public works didn't look like the rendering? Correct. Hmm. And there was no canopies over the lookouts which was the whole point of them to seek refuge if it were to start raining refuge in the rain that's kind of important bridges are important in river town i mean it can't be overstated yeah but you know I, I this one strikes me very deep because i you know this wonderful man ed wesley pretty much dedicated the latter part of his life to saving the bridge and he would bring you know pictures of bridges from all angles and uh you know report on the vegetation around the bridge he was such a wonderful man he passed away um, just last year, but um, he was he was truly dedicated to saving this bridge, and, and I'm I'm up for the fight. You know, I, I I would, it's up to PennDOT actually in the end, but you know, hopefully they are able to save it. All right, obviously very important to hear in the Delaware River corridor. What else we got, John? Well, uh, on December thirtieth. 
2022, which is just last year, the first legal pot store opened up in New York City. I've been waiting my at, whole life for this. <laughs> yeah, at 420, a big stoner. <laughs> oh, God. No, I'm getting a little tired of the 420 cliche, though. Does it all have to be at 420? It, it seems okay. so like fish fan garbage. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I mean seriously, Bob, I get it. Yeah, bah. But uh, <laughs> I know that our town, I know at the last workshop meeting, the town was discussing like the zoning, like where, where the uh, dispensary should be. You know, like by my folks' house in Illinois, they have it way, way, way out, you know, on the highway, you know, just off of an exit because it's a small town similar to ours. And, um, you know, they, they don't have it public facing, you know, which I think is a really great idea. I also don't think it should be by bars, in my opinion, because I, I dealing with, that. with stone drunk people is not a good look. Speaking from experience. Hey, hey yeah. well, you know, you know, my thing is I, I I'm, was not necessarily into our town opting into the retail pot thing. I mean, we're going to be surrounded by it. I mean, I've never also I've never had a problem copping pot in my entire life. I mean, I think there was about. Eight days in 1978, where I was trying to score a joint to go to a Jethro Tull concert, but someone came through in the end. Oh, New Jesus. York City. You, you know, know what I like about the law, though. No, I don't think anybody should go to jail for smoking pot. I think it's very civilized to go into a chic pot retail thing. I don't like the fact that all of Manhattan now smells like a Neil Young concert, and I think there's some negativity, negative vibes attached to being stoned all the time. Well, I, and wait, I don't think it's going to be the tax dollars that everyone thinks it's going to be. I think there's a green rush to opening these dispensaries, and I don't think the payoff's going to be that big, especially when everybody is selling pot. What I do like, though, John, as you know this, I'm very strong on this, is that uh, it should be local farmers growing the weed. Well, why don't, right we get, now, why don't we get the? Why don't we wait for the weed show? Because we have the town's biggest stoner coming. The votes are still being tallied, <laughs> and uh, normal lawyer and high times lawyer David Holland is going to come up and talk to us about weed. I'm going to look forward to it. You know, I got a few things to say about it. What else you got? Yeah, clearly, uh, just before the new year, also two titan women that were so important to the world passed away. Uh, number one, Vivian Westwood, who has always been my favorite designer and kind of like got me interested in fashion because it was like fashion for the people and punk rock and all the wonderful things she stood for and devoted like her later life to climate change. Really wonderful designer and revolutionary. Also for you Sex in the City fans, Carrie's like most iconic licks were created by Miss Vivian Westwood. Uh, again, later in her life, but you know everybody knows her for the Sex Pistols in their in their costuming, um, and Barbara Walters, who I met on a couple occasions. She's a she was a legend. She changed the scope of news and she changed the scope of women in media. So for that, I say, pour out one of your beer for your homies. I think it's incredible that the first line of Vivian Westwood's obituary is always going to be the Sex Pistols, and so many people who know her from her later work in Sex in the City probably never even heard a Sex Pistols record, and I think it's another victory, kind of like marijuana being legal, that these things... Oh, that, Jesus, again with yeah, the... Yeah, well, you know, these are the things that were signed... Spoken rub- like a these, true pothead. Or a punk rocker, <laughs> or a punk rocker, Johnny, because these things that were taken as rebellious, you, you know... Enemies of the state. Oh, wait, I have the to stop you. Wait, I have to stop you. I have to rock. stop you. What's that in the sky? Oh, is that a bird? bird? Is that a plane? No, it's Tiffany Diamond in the Berryville weather copter. Let's hear from Tiffany. Hello, it's Tiffany Diamond here at the Berryville radio traffic helicopter. Hi, guys. I'm up above the intersection at Route 55 and 97. And, you know, the bridge that goes over to Shahola. And I'm telling you, there's a lot of people in this town that don't know what to do with a flashing light. People are slowing down, stopping. It's just chaos. Well, there's only one car. And if one car could create chaos, well, just so everyone knows, the flashing red light is like a stop sign. You stop. And the flashing yellow light 
is like a yellow light, so you speed up. Uh, uh, Tiff, Tiffany, I don't think the yellow light actually means speed up. Okay, well, I can't hear you. Uh, the helicopter is a little bit too loud here. Hey, oh, another car is coming. This should be interesting. Let's see what happens. Okay, over and out from Tiffany Diamond up in the Berryville Radio traffic helicopter. All right. That was quite the segment from Miss <laughs> Tiffany Diamond. And that's going to be a regular thing because we spent big bucks on that Berryville helicopter. All right, John, who authorized the helicopter? The same maniac that got the satellite to beam in the girls a couple weeks ago. All right. Everything's in Bedford Berryville is going big tech. Big, big, big. Oh, and one last thing. We have one more submission um, for, for the naming of the camel at the Berryville Oasis. And it's it's roughly dawn, but it comes from the original Greek word Enotion, which is uh, apparently the first camels came from North America during the Enotion era. The Greek translation means dawn. Not sure if you've already unveiled the name, but Mary Jones Mellet put this one into the ring, and uh, I'm I'm into it. I like I I never knew if it was a boy or a girl camel, but uh, keep those names coming. If you have a submission, we're going to close it by the end of January, and you can email us at better uh, Berryville Radio at gmail.com, and uh, you can see a picture on our Facebook page. Uh, everything's better in Berryville on Facebook and you'll see a picture of the camel so you can tell us what you think its name should be. Remind me, John, I, I see the camel every day, but does it have one hump or two? It has two. Roswell went to great lengths. He drove all the way out to Southampton. There was plenty of camels with one hump that could be got much closer to home, but he's a maniac and so he really, really went high and low and got pulled over in Massapequa because they said, you're going to behead your camel. Where are you going, young man? And he said, well, of course this is going into an activity scene. What do I look like? <laughs> totally lied to law enforcement. Well, all right then. Uh, I look forward to uh, seeing more names of the camel. I'm still voting for Ahmed because I think that was the name of the camel in Ishtar. So that that's kind of kind of where I'm at. All um, right. Guess what happens now? Oh my God! Is ah. it Mike Edison and Rocket Train? Mike Edison and Rocket Train is going to come. We're bringing gospel from the garage. I get to be our special musical guest today, and I've never been more thrilled. So uh, we're going to take a quick break. Holy I'm smokes! Put on my guitar. I've got Rebecca DeRosa, the woman of mystery, about to kick the traps with me. So we're going to get. I quick. love that girl. She can really cut a rug too. <laughs> yes, she can. All right, we're going to be back right after this with a little gospel from the garage and the Edison Rocket Train. Can you dig it? Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. I give you the Edison Rocket Train. All right, thank you very much. Thank you, everybody. All right, let's get up. Let's get into it.
How about that? That was rocking, buddy. Oh, man. All right, let me get back here, back to back to the back to the control center here at uh, Barrico right. Radio. What an amazing Woo. show! We'd like to wow. thank our incredible guests, Margie and Daryl, our host, Heritage Radio, WJFF, for adding us to their online platform. All right, and all of you for tuning in. We love you so much. Thank you again. Thanks to WJFF for also having us on this Friday. Tune in. We're out. <laughs> All right, almost. We're going to go out on a train. What kind of train are we going on, Johnny? Rocket train. That's right. It ain't the 420 to Calicoon. It ain't the train to Port Jervis. It's the gospel train from all of us to all of you with lots of love. All aboard. Everything's better in Berryville. This train is bound for glory. This train. This train is bound for glory. This train. This train is bound for glory. Don't take another mother right to send the holy. This train. This train. This train. But I'm gonna take another. This train, oh, this train, but I'll take no gamblers. This train, this train, it'll take no gamblers. No crapper shooters, no midnight ramblers. This train, oh, this train. This show is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. Keep in touch at heritageradionetwork.org slash subscribe.